Welcome to another episode of Convo Courses Podcast. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, <laughs> you see I'm, I'm in a closet. It's because my house is getting uh, has some renovations being done and uh, caused me some issues last week, uh, some technical issues. But what we're going to talk about today is got a few things. Uh, I'm going to tell you about some updates that are coming to the courses. I'm going to tell you about... I'm going to answer some questions from some folks that have uh, asked me questions on the YouTube channel and, um, and some questions on email, some questions on uh, Discord. And, and if you happen to be watching me live, you can ask me questions right now. We're going to talk about a little bit about privacy. And then somebody asked me about a really good question about what path I took to get to cybersecurity analyst. How, what's, the secure, what's the path, the career path for a cybersecurity analyst? And I'm just going to tell you my experience to give you some idea of, of what you can do to get into that sock position or that knock position. Okay, let's start off with the updates. So I've got an update that's coming. If you didn't know, if you're watching this for the first time or you're listening to this on podcast for the first time, I do courses. I'm a cybersecurity um, consultant for a major company. <laughs> and I've been doing this for a long time, um, mostly security compliance. And so what I've started doing is just documenting what I do and then how other people can get into this career field and and to just tell you the secret sauce of what I've been doing for all these years to maintain, to be employed and to uh, make good money and also work remotely. So that's what my courses are about. It's about my personal experience. Lately, I've been trying to open it up to other cybersecurity people who have great experience, way more than me, in some cases in different areas, and I'm trying to get them to also put into this pot and, and and also help people out and I do this for fun and for profit by the way so the course that I'm going to update that I've been updating over the over time is this one right here this is risk management ISO security controls and documentation where what I do is I deep dive into each one of the eight uh, NIST 853 controls and I tell and I interpret them and tell you from my experience of a person who's actually working in this field right now I'm telling you, here's how here's how you do it. Here's how this agency's done it. Here's how this agency's done it. That's what I do. So that's what is going into this course right here. There's there's lots of free stuff if you want to sign up for free. Tons of free stuff out there for you. And um, I'm going to be adding more families to this. You you know that this has like 20 some odd families that are associated with it right now. I have three, but there's another one coming out soon. Here's a template for it. This is configuration management. Super important to all organizations, great and small. And so that's why I figured it, it's, it's really time for me to cover this one. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I really haven't seen anybody cover this uh, in courses before, especially not how, how I do it. And uh, giving you templates of how to write it and things like that and, and interpret it from different perspectives. So that's what I'm doing there. And next what I want to do is is address some questions that people have been asking me on my YouTube channel and um, let me see there was a couple really good ones here's a here's a really good one um, Trezor asks um, hi hope you're doing good as an ISO do I really need some certs um, and if it's yes which ones please name them and then somebody named Millie said that you should get the security plus the network plus and CISM 
and one of the CISM, CISSP, and um, and CISA. Those are all good certs. But from my experience, it really depends on the job. It depends on what the what the job is asking. Um, they usually put the what they need from you, what the requirements are in the job description. So you got to pay very close attention to the job description. They'll usually say, "Hey, we require that you get this or that certification. We require, or we prefer that you get this or that certification." The interpretation is, if they say required, they really want it. There's no way around it. You can talk to them, but more than likely, they're they're gonna take the person who has it. If they say preferred, then that just means that if you have it, great. If you don't, then you know maybe somebody who does have it might be able to one up you when you're going through the resume process. So to answer your question, it depends on the job. They'll typically ask you for it. Um, they'll tell you the requirements and prefer. Now, if they actually say, yes, we want a certification, your, your question was for an ISO, what types of certifications do they want? What do they look? From what I've seen is CISSP pretty much catch all. If you have that, you, you got a job. Uh, a CASP is also a very good one. That's from CompTIA. Another one is the ISC2 CAP. That's a good one. That's very very focused with uh, IS, uh, ISSOs. If if you have that one, there's a you really know uh, the NIST 800 uh, security compliance uh, controls. Uh, CISA is a good one. CISM is a good one. Security Plus is also a really good one. So let me show you where this knowledge is coming from. This is coming from my years of experience but also there's a document that you can look at called 8140 so I'm surprising people don't talk about this more often but 8140 breaks down let me just see if I can bring this up bring up a, a more current version of the 8140 80 previously called 8570 but has been replaced so let me bring that up yeah, so they're saying this this site right here is talking about how it's been replaced, but here it is right here. If you, how, let me see if I can make this a little bit bigger for you to see it before I start talking about it. And yeah, this is actually on the ISA ISA site is where they're getting this from. Hold on, let me let me do some doctoring here to make this a little bit bigger for everybody to see. Yeah, this this is a a requirement that many federal agencies have started looking for, and some of the some other industries such as banks and hospitals have also followed suit to go by this this particular little breakdown. I could just kind of show, kind of explain this matrix to you real quick. But if you look at this right here, this is IA says, if you can see this, it says IAT level one. And that just means information assurance technical. Information assurance is another word for cybersecurity, by the way. So more DOD jargon. But what they're looking for is this is entry level type position. This is not necessarily just entry level, but tier one. This is the per first person that you would, you if you pick up the phone and you're saying, hey, I need to fix my computer. The first person you're going to talk to is a tier one type person. And so this IA level one person, tier one person, they're expected to have one of these certifications, technical certifications, an A plus, 
a CCNA security, a Network Plus CE, or an SSCP. So those are some of the things that they're looking for. This IAM right below it, that means Information Assurance Manager Level 1. That means like you're an immediate supervisor. Maybe you have two, one or two, three people underneath you who are, who are, um, who you're supervising, not underneath you, but you're supervising them. So they're expecting a CAP, an ISC CAP, a, a GSLC, a Security Plus. What you'll see here is a Security Plus is like, is, is gold. Like it's Security Plus and CISSP, those two you'll see throughout this little matrix here as we go. But another one is, uh, let's just stick with these, the, this top tiers, top levels right here. So I am this whole level right here is dealing with if you're a manager, like if you're immediate, this one's immediate manager, this one's like mid tier manager, and then this one's upper level manager. And then it also depends on what's the scope of how much, you, how many people you're managing and what the resources you're managing. So this one right here is typically like a help desk, immediate supervisor. This one's like um, maybe uh, a, a floor like a uh, a uh, a local area network you're you're managing a local area network and some of a few people beneath it and then this one's for like it specializes for an enclave it's for a program management mission system uh, and it also can include all these lower tiers right here but you can see that the level two manager is a cap a casp a cism a cissp and uh, if we go back up to the technical side the level two is second tier type people. Like this is people who fix a network issues, like issues that might extend beyond just the computer, just the laptop. This is issues that are connectivity to a, a server, things like that. So these people are, uh, the government is looking for you to have a tier two type uh, certification. So that's what information assurance technical level two means. So. They're looking for you to have a, a CCNA security, a CSA plus, a CISP, a GSEC, a, once again, security plus, kind of a catch-all between these two, between actually between these three items right here, and then a C, C, uh, SSCP. So those are the things that they're looking for you to have. And then on the upper level, this is an information assurance technical level three. This is a person who... Maybe they are specialized in networking. Maybe they're specialized in a server. It's usually specialized people. So they have to know what's going on on the enclave, on the network. They have to know how to do basic troubleshooting. And they, they also have like a specialization where there's data, databases or they're a, 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 a network professional or they're a firewall person. This is a level three type person. But they're looking for a CASP. CE, a CCNP security hard certification, by the way, a CISA, a CISSP, a GSED, uh, I mean GCED, uh, or a GCIH. So this is kind of where I am drawing uh, why I'm saying that you, 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 a security plus is good, a CASP is good, a CISSP is good, because all of these fit into the work of an information system security officer. All of those things will help you out. A security Plus will help you out, a CASP will help you out, and so will a Security Plus. The other ones that I mentioned were a CISA, 
and a CISM. The reason why I mention a CISA and CISM is because I've noticed a lot of government, even though it's it's listed way down here somewhere as an auditor, because CIS is mostly for auditors, I've noticed that they'll take a CISA and they're they're highly sought after. And and you can also apply for something like a bank or something, because CISAs are 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 really looked after with uh, with bank with bank in the banking industry. So I hope that answers your question. Um, I think I had another question here from Sean Briggs. I'll, I'll do my best to answer this one. Sean says here, uh, "Hello, I'm currently studying for the for Splunk, but I don't have experience. So he's he's trying to get a certification for Splunk and then just know how to use it, but doesn't have experience." Do you know if any if there if do you know of any situations where companies let people volunteer their time in order to gain experience after gaining their their certification? So I can just tell you my experience, Sean uh, Shaw. Sorry, Shaw. To keep calling you Sean Shaw. Um, my experience when I kind of did the same thing that you did. So I was working in a sock. Um, in a security operation center where you're kind of monitoring data coming in and out of a network and you're you're looking for interesting traffic that's like security related like if it's, if there's denial of service attacks or if this this crazy traffic's coming from a specific country that's kind of stuff we were looking at and i was wanting to get into a scene called arcsite and at the time arcsite was this huge cert this huge scene that and a scene is a it's a security information event manager and basically it consolidates all the logs throughout a network and why that's important is because network uh, logs that are coming through in and out of your system in and out of your your routers your switches and in and out of your firewall all that kind of stuff it's really a gives you a picture of what's going on on your network in your environment so that's why logs are super important so Splunk ArcSight QDAR and QRadar and, and some other uh, seams are super important to a large environments. Anyway, so I was working on, I was an IDS IPS kind of guy and I was looking at the logs coming in and out of IDS IPS and we were also managing them across like hundreds of different systems throughout our environment. And I wanted to go into ArcSight, but I didn't have any experience. So what they did was they did a lateral move. I just moved from IDS over to ArcSight and they trained me on the job training. And I didn't even need a certification or anything, but I knew the environment so well that, you know, because I'd been working there for like six months to a year, that I knew the environment well enough to all I had to do was pick up this new tool, this ArcSight tool, and I was able to pick it up and then also go out and get a certification. So from what I have seen and what I've experienced, that's what you can do is like a lateral move like if you are in a if you are in a company or an organization where they have Splunk somewhere else but you're working on firewalls or something you could ask if you could actually help work on that that Splunk system that's where I have seen it but other than that kind of walking off the street on a system like Splunk I've not seen anyone just get hired on a, on a system like that because they really need people who know what they're doing um, now, if you know the environment, you've been there for a while, then yeah, you could, you might be able to swing something like that. But um, just you know, I hope that that helps you out, and um, 
and if anybody else has some experience that's similar to that please feel free to add to this to put put it in the comments and I'll, I'll read it and uh, we can pass it on to other people to help them out okay I had another pretty good question here that I wanted to address let me see can you do a video about the future of cybersecurity like certs do you think people what search do I think people should invest in this is actually a good question okay what okay the question is can I what is the future of cybersecurity and what search should you invest in um, yeah this is this is actually a good one I can I can talk to this one so let me just let me show you right here real quick here's what I would recommend right now um, right now what's super hot is cloud not necessarily this particular certification but any kind of cloud certification but in particular I would say Amazon cloud certifications are the hottest right now in the market right now I work for a fortune 1005 whatever it is a fortune 1000 company and they are pushing this hard because all of our clients are going to the cloud and the cl the cloud if I can just give in a nutshell what it is is all of us use it to give you a specific example what cloud is is gmail gmail is cloud um, it's a service that is elsewhere it's somewhere else It's managed by someone else on their servers they do all the security they do all the stuff you are just logging in you're not maintaining that email service you're not maintaining the security you're not maintaining the patches on the back end you don't know nothing about that stuff all you do is do email right that's the cloud so the services whether it's the computing or the uh, storage or the any kind of resources you're using they're you they're elsewhere now I thinking about this I use cloud for so many things like I use cloud for I use cloud for uh, my website is the cloud I, if I'm using say Bluehost Bluehost is I'm using their resources to do to put my content on it um, YouTube is a cloud service Netflix is is a, a streaming service that uses a cloud service the back I don't know if you knew, knew this but Netflix uses Amazon as their back-end cloud service so all their data is back is all all those uh, video files that they have and all their whole infrastructure is on I think AWS so you can Google that you know don't quote me but <laughs> so that's that's another we all of us are using cloud so as a result that's where the industry is going it's a cloud certification is a really good thing to have right now and it pays like crazy so just to give you kind of a picture here here's more cloud certifications in the searches what this is showing is the searches on simply hired the searches on indeed searches on and why that's important is because that means that many many people not just people who are looking for jobs but also job recruiters and companies are there's a lot of activity around this particular cert so this is right here is is the top cert right here is AWS certified solution architect top cloud cert hands down it's not even marketability it's it's out there it's it's on fire and then another one is the CCNA cloud I didn't even know they they had that uh, CCNP cloud 
see and then see how all the big players are all jumping in on there and what I don't see on here is Google I don't see the ISC2 I don't see CompTIA all those people have cloud um, CompTIA if you didn't know is one of the largest uh, one of the top certification places out there they have a cloud certification let me just show you here CompTIA CompTIA cloud let's see here show you what I'm talking about here certifications so they I'm yeah cloud plus look at that CompTIA has one ISC2 has one it's called CCSP so Microsoft has one I bet you even Oracle has one I bet Oracle has one too so uh, the fact that all of these major companies all have a cloud uh, a cloud-based certification and a cloud-based solution should be very very telling so your question Sika was where do I think that the future is going <laughs> uh, it's cloud it's all cloud speaking of cloud somebody asked me about doing a video on FedRAMP which if you didn't know I already did a couple videos on FedRAMP and they're they're pretty high level FedRAMP is the federal oh, okay let me see if I can get this acronym without looking it up. Uh, Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program. And what it is, is the federal government's response to cloud. So the federal, the U.S. federal government, what they did was they consolidated one, res one place where you can actually go to a marketplace and, and choose a, a cloud service and let me let me just go there and uh, and see if I can show you what I'm talking about. FedRAMP. Yeah, here's FedRAMP right here. And these guys, this is a the government, the U.S. government. And this is .gov, FedRAMP.gov, the U.S. government, their solution for cloud. And they they don't have their own cloud service. What but what they do is they authorize certain uh, cloud service providers to uh to help out the justice department the health department department of defense you know department of homeland security all those and so they have a marketplace of all approved uh providers out there which is this one's taking a while to come up but yeah so then they also have a process where they they uh make sure that the federal agency is following all the nest federal uh guidelines all the things like fisma and um, the Federal um, Information System Modernization Act and and uh, all those kinds of, of, of things out there so these are all the approved cloud services that uh, that you can use right here and then how many people are authorized to use this one AppPlane cloud and W AWS is on this list by the way um, I had to look it up I was like where's AWS I don't see it on here but Google's on here yeah, there it is right there. There's Amazon Cloud Server. They got one for just for Gov. <laughs> I mean, they're killing it. Amazon's killing it on the cloud. So yeah, the future is in the cloud. I think it's going to go more and more in the cloud. And pretty soon, it's going to be... Here's, here's what it is right here. Pretty soon, it's going to be just like networking. Like, where if, if you call yourself an IT professional at some point, you're going to have to mess with Linux. You're going to have to mess with... Uh, with uh, networking you got to have some basic understanding of networking Linux 
you know, and obviously I don't even have to mention to you Windows, you know. So I think cloud will be on that level. Like you'll have to add cloud to that list of things, and that's happening right now, real time. So yeah, that I hope that answers your question, sir. And uh, what else was I going to cover today before I end this podcast? And if you guys have any questions, I see a people, a few people watching me here, and and if you're coming late, the reason why I'm in my closet is because my house is getting renovated right now so um gonna have to be in a closet for a, for a while in the closet figurative figuratively and literally <laughs> kidding kidding uh let me see what um what else did i want to cover here there was something like last week what i was trying to talk about is a question somebody asked me about how to their their question was um, they said a cybersecurity analyst career path is it a must or advisable to start from a SOC or a NOC center or can you go straight entry level into cybersecurity analyst jobs you there's entry level SOC jobs there there are entry level SOC jobs if you have the experience in the background in a SOC um, you can get into it if you're entry level um, and you're trying to get into a SOC job, uh, I would. Here's what I would do. What I would do is I would, I would go in Indeed.com. This is just one site, by the way. And let me let me just readjust my screen so you can see what I'm what I'm about to type here, real time, for everybody to see. All right. So here's what I would do. I would just go to, just let's just start simple SOC. Let's just see if there's any sock jobs. Now, this is you probably want to put your location wherever you are on here. Wherever you're at, put that in there. So, this is pretty good pay, right? Some of these pretty good paying jobs. Um, yeah, there's some lots of a couple remote jobs for sock. That's pretty interesting. But um, then, okay, so we know that this is a real a real uh, keyword sock because I can see a couple sock jobs in here but we could you also put in security compliance analysts and some other things okay but here's what we do so we want an entry-level job just put entry-level this is keep it simple see if we can find something yeah there you go here's an entry-level sock tier one position so let's look at this like what are they looking for description Tier one at a sock, okay. It's kind of describing overall what they're doing there. But what we want to look at is the minimum requirements, because this is gonna this right here is, tells us whether we want to keep reading or not. Because they're gonna tell you, hey, we need a bachelor's degree. If you don't have a bachelor's degree, move on, go to the next thing. You know, if they require the minimum experience is a bachelor's degree or a master's, and you don't have that, move on. So they're saying it's a bachelor's degree, um, let me see, academic or work experience with TCP IP networking, uh, knowledge okay. So yeah, look, this is an entry level job. I don't see any gotchas. This is pretty basic. So to answer your question, um, yes, you can, what do I advise uh, for a career path? I'm going to give you some advice, but it'll be based off of what I did for my career path. And that'll give you an idea because I don't know where you're at. 
talking to the person who asked me this question. I don't know where they are in the grand scheme of things. I'm assuming that they're a entry-level cybersecurity person. Um, that they have some IT experience. I'm assuming that. But I, I don't know for sure. But yeah, that's what I would do if I was looking for an entry-level uh, sock job. And you can do this with Dice.com, one of the top U.S. technical sites to go to. You can do it with CareerJet. You can do it with uh, LinkedIn. You can do it with... There's tons. There's literally millions of different job aggregators out there. I would I would use at least 10 of them. Okay, but what I, what I want to do is give you like more context uh, about what how to how to approach this and and give this a little bit more um, information here so where I started off was tier one basic tier one basic computer knowledge troubleshooting I started on the help desk I was in the Air Force and um, that gave me a solid foundation with I didn't have a degree I was coming out of grunt work I was a I was a cop I was security forces in in the Air Force that I did for five years I knew criminal justice I know the US US uh, UCMJ you know how to arrest people how to apprehend people I was a weapon specialist grunt work you know stuff like that is what I did for five years so then I was like I want to do computers I love computers so much and I got into it and so I cross-trained is what we call it in the mill in the Air Force cross-rate uh, change MOS depending on what branch of the military you're in. But I cross-trained into COM, was what they called it at the time. And I did help desk. And then from there, having basic troubleshooting knowledge, basic knowledge of networking, basic knowledge of computers, systems, I was able to get into network engineering. They had a little position open. They said, hey, we need some people over here to do this, to do uh, network engineering. Yeah, excuse me, network engineering. And so I did that for a while, and that was basically me helping to troubleshoot routers and switches. Completely different feel, different environment, and I got great exposure to networking and TCP IP and, and routing protocols and all that kind of stuff that I completely forgot over the years. <laughs> uh, but that foundation allowed me to under have a greater understanding of things like... Uh, basic security practices and that helped me to get into security compliance which I hated when I first did security compliance is mostly documentation is regulations it's federal standards it's it's stuff like that and I I want to be hands-on I want to be that computer hacker you know with the glasses and the the script going across the glass and stuff like that you know I didn't want to just do compliance turns out I was really good at it and um, <laughs> it's been paying me for years, so I can't complain anymore about it. But these two things right here allowed me to go to the next step, which is I was I specialized in um, Unix for a while. That was that was really fun. I learned a lot with that one, and it helped me with that Linux commands and stuff. Being an information system field tech and knowing how 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 weapon I was working on a weapon system. Um, and how technology is integrated into doing all these real high-level stuff and um, all of this this right here these two tiers helped me to get into SOC and uh, security system administration and today what I do is cybersecurity consulting because I know a little bit about a lot of things 
now and I'm super deep in like just compliance. I'm super duper deep in compliance, but I know enough about network engineering to where I could probably put up together a basic network. I could I could develop a basic web page, you know, <laughs> but I'm by no stretch of the imagination an expert in network engineering or or a software engineering or Linux or Unix or anything like that. So that's kind of my my journey through a career path and I just I say this to to help somebody else out there who's wondering like how do you get from here to there you know so that's why I want to bring that up um let me see let me see um there was some other things I want I was talking about last week that uh, my 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 um, system went down but I want to talk about it right now this especially goes out to young people um, I want to tell you guys why I don't use my real name or real location on the internet. Now I know it sounds paranoid, but um, once I show you what I'm about to show you, I think you're gonna have a a little bit of of healthy paranoia as well. Never put your real name and real location on the internet, and here's why. If you go to this site right here, Spokio.com, what this is is a it's an aggregator that pulls personally identifiable information from all over the internet and it compiles them all into one database and one searchable database that you can find information on anyone now typically you're probably thinking to yourself well why would anybody want to know about me if you're on the internet eventually as you as you put more stuff out there somebody's gonna want to know about you and um, usually they want to know about you for the wrong reasons. This is live, so uh, I just got a. Whoa! Holy moly! Whoa! Okay. Nothing to worry about. Just a pandemic. Just a global pandemic. Nothing to see here, folks. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, it was a. It was a actual warning in my area talking about how the global pandemic is is like really bad in this area i'm in speaking of areas so you never want to put your real name or your location and here's why what i want you to do come and just follow along with me put the name of your mom or your father the full name of your mother or your father and then put the city that they currently live in this is going to freak you out and i'm going to explain what's going on and and you should un have an understanding. Okay, let's say my my dad's name was John Smith and he lives in Pasadena, California. Pasadena CA. That's all you got to do. First last name of your mother or father and then where they live currently and then hit search. So it's this right here is available to anybody if I knew the name of your mother and father if I knew your real first last name middle initial and I knew where exactly what town you were in and I put that in there I would be able to know all the information you're about to see right now so here's all the information now there's tons of John Smith's in there so John Smith is such a common name you probably have to put a an, a middle initial but I think you get the idea so it tells me that John Boyce Smith in Raphael California it tells me everywhere they've lived in California it tells me all the people who are associated with this person 
and you can actually go a lot further than that you can get phone numbers you can get addresses the reason why this is dangerous is that somebody could take one part they can this site says a little bit but you can go to another site such as Google and do the same thing and get even more information do the same thing on Google if you go to Google and you type in John Smith Pasadena California search that what it'll come up with is all kinds of stuff John Smith is not is a very poor example by the way but you put your first name last name try it with yourself put your first name last name in there and then comma where you live it's gonna shock you do the same thing with your mother do the same thing with your father this works in the US I don't know if this works in any other countries the US is notoriously bad with privacy they don't have any privacy for people regular citizens and it's because we don't have the political will to actually implement any serious uh, privacy laws and standards they they have them in place but they don't enforce them and, and then they're very weak they don't have any teeth so in in places like Europe and places uh, in some parts of Asia they take it a lot more serious the US I think Malaysia does I want to say part of the EU for sure does I think I believe the UK does with GDPR I think it's called US really doesn't have anything so our information is freely available you'll see information and this is if you've ever gotten a letter in the mail especially if you own a home or if you own a business they have all your information they know where you live they your first name last name they know probably who lives in the house with you they have your phone number they can send you all this information it's just a free-for-all and it's just sad that the the US doesn't take our privacy more serious it's just really terrible and I hope that some at some point our federal government will be more serious about our personal information your information is if you own a house it's going on public record in the counties if you own a business it's on public record on their site um, which is fine but there should be a little bit of protection so that some crazy person doesn't show up at your house and this is why like what I've noticed is the more people who know me on YouTube and on social media the more paranoid I get because you know that not everybody has my best interest or my family's best interest at heart there's a lot of sweet nice people out there and everything the majority of the you know out of a thousand people you meet most 99 999 of them are going to be fine but there's only one person there's gonna be one person who just hates you for whatever reason and they're not all there and and the US has has some extreme issues with health uh, mental health issues uh, the problem is they don't care about it and nobody people just ignore it and there's a serious problem in this country so I'll get off my soapbox, soapbox about that I just want to let you know don't put your real name and your location I wouldn't put it anywhere on the on the internet I wouldn't I personally don't do it and I learned my lesson because it, it, there was a time when I owned a business here locally where I live in Colorado I can tell you that I live in Colorado and um, the 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 business got popular and uh, people knew who I was like I'd be walking in the store and they'd be like hey there's 
this or that person is there's there he is right there is bruce you know how you doing man you know and uh what happened was somebody googled me and they saw me on a dating site and they started like roasting me about this dating site i was on <laughs> this was years ago but it's just like i was and i just i laughed at the time but at the same time i'm like okay I need to take all my information off the internet. I need to take all my my. So, Bruce Brown's not my real name, and I I don't put my real uh, location on the internet, uh, and that and that's it's for that very reason, you know. It's just a little bit of healthy, uh, suspicious, uh, being a little bit suspicious, right? And I I don't allow my my kids to put their real name on there either just be wary of it and even when you're putting out resumes what another thing i'll do is i'll change the last name or something i won't i'll put a different uh phone name phone number i'll put an of a google voice phone number i will and even i even protect uh clients i've worked for i don't put like i don't put too many details about what they have in their environment i don't put i don't give so much information that somebody could use that information to try to attack them or you put so much personal information that they could attack me personally so I'm just very cautious about what information I put online and you should be too especially in the United States where there's no currently it's just a free-for-all it's the wild wild west they do not protect our interests as far as personal privacy and all our information out there as a matter of fact it's like they're harvesting them and using them to advertise to us and we're basically the commodity that they can advertise to and that that includes facebook that includes google i mean i use all these tools and instagram and all of them but i use them very cautiously and i use them in a way that benefits me and not the not the other way around as much as possible so you guys should do the same thing just letting you know okay there was something else i wanted to talk about regarding questions that I get uh, uh, Shaw, Shaw Briggs says yeah you have to be very careful yeah I agree you have to be careful out there with your information okay another thing I want to talk about real quickly and um, is uh, is politics in IT jobs like if I've been working in IT for a long time and I just want to because of all the stuff that's going on I'm not gonna get political I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it it's just it's a toxic thing to talk about right now but I just want to talk about controversial or political or religious things in IT jobs what is it like what what can you do what has been my experience because it does come up sometimes and for me personally I can tell you I just avoid the topic uh, because you're just gonna be disappointed you know <laughs> you're, you're gonna talk to somebody they're not gonna agree with your political opinion they're not gonna align with your how you feel about things it's just just best to just avoid it and just keep it as a as a working relationship and don't go down that rabbit hole now if somebody happens to be very in line with what you feel or believe or whatever and you guys have to be neighbors or something like that of course you can open up about it but um if it's just a, a co-worker it's just best to avoid it um and and this is coming from a person who loves talking about it because i believe that it's it's therapeutic to have a conversation about 
race, religion, politics, all those things you're not ever supposed to talk about. I like talking about it personally, but a lot of people are very sensitive about it and they can't take other people having a different opinion than them. So it's best to just avoid talking about it when you're at the job. It's just, just don't do it. And then talking about environments I've worked in, I have, I can't point to any, I mean, I'm being completely honest and I've been working outside the military. I've been working outside since 2003 and I can tell you honestly, honestly that I haven't had any toxic working environments that were politically toxic. I've had working environments who are incompetent where where there's a vast a lot of people who are incompetent and the toxicity is that people attacking each other because blaming each other for this or blaming each other for that. I've had those <laughs> but not like from a political perspective where people are attacking each other or it gets racial or I've not had that happen um in the military kind of um it happened but not outside military and I've, I've really been blessed in that department and i think maybe it's because number one i'm i love talking about that stuff so whenever i have somebody who is willing to open up about it i love to talk about it but if they're too sensitive i just back off and i won't talk about it um so i'm, I'm very open-minded about all topics um and another thing is um, I um, I try to avoid talking to people who are very sensitive. So I just keep it very work related. I don't I don't bring up who you know, who did you vote for or anything like no, I don't talk about that. If it's somebody who I know who can take it and they, I don't care who they voted for. But if they can if they are OK with how I feel about it and they're more open minded like me, regardless of their political leanings or their religious whatever then I'll just open up and talk. And I love talking about it because for me, it's therapeutic. Um, the best working environments I've been in um, protect marginalized communities. Um, and they don't, they're not pushy on their beliefs. They put it out there and they're protecting marginal. When I say marginalized, I mean like people of color, the LGBTQ community. They're very supportive. This Some companies I've been in, very supportive They're like hey you know you're welcome here we don't ever want you to feel left out we don't want you to feel marginalized we don't we want you to be part of our team and and then on the other on the flip side they're not pushy about it they're not like there's some people who don't who don't agree with any of it and you know and they're just there to do their job and they have a completely 180 degree opinion about it and that that same company who is protecting marginalized communities also is allowing other people to be neutral about how they feel in other words they're not pushing their agenda but they're not being forced to be they're not being forced to be pulled into uh the protect the marginalized communities and those in in my opinion those have been the best organizations that i've worked in and a lot of them are either that or they're completely neutral they just never talk about it it never comes up it doesn't come up in email it doesn't come up in meetings it nobody talks about it and then that's it so and i'm cool with both of those things by the way ultimately my advice is is what i've done about the whole thing that's really helped me out is to just go there to work just keep it as a completely innocuous working relationship I don't don't bring up religion, don't bring up politics, don't talk about race, just just keep it completely 
uh, just like when people are fixing my house, I don't ask them who they voted for. I don't ask them what their religion is. They're here to fix my drywall. That's it. And then they're going to leave. That's how, that's how I am when I go to work. I'm like, I'm here to work on this security control and then I'm out. <laughs> um, let me see. Uh, Shaw Briggs says, uh, is student loan debt a major reason that people don't get clearances? Um, that is a good question. Um, that is a good question. I have not heard of people not getting a security clearance for that reason in particular. Shaw, um, one of the reasons that I've seen people not get it is uh, having a criminal past. Let me Let me just hold on top reasons people do not get clearances I'm just curious I'm curious of why people don't get clearances okay let's see here let's read through this this is on militarybenefits.info rejection for clearances Top administrative reasons for security for a security clearance being rejected. Missing information, missing social security number, missing information on relatives, missing selective services information, uh, missing incomplete information and bankruptcy. Oh yeah. So this list here, I have not seen people rejected for this. I've seen people be on like a like a hold, like a, a temporary hold or interim security clearance. Um I've not heard of anyone having too much debt. Uh, and I imagine they have to be debt from like another country or something like that. Probably if you if you had a bunch of debt in like Iran or something like that. Or in China, probably. That I, would, I would probably venture to say that there'd be some questions that needs to be asked. <laughs> you know, if you're with an enemy uh, of the United States, quote unquote, um, uh, a country that's that's at odds with the u.s then probably that's going to come up and that's going to be an issue um trying to think of real world situations that i've he really heard about and most of them think to now that i think about it yeah it's these things right here and normally it's not bankruptcy i've never i, I swear i've not heard of anybody uh going the debt is something maybe it's because they keep it personal this one I haven't heard of. Um, these other ones, many of the other ones I've heard happening. I imagine it's all of these. And normally what happens is they put it on an interim security clearance or interim top secret. And basically they're just doing a little bit further checking to make sure everything's cool. And then and eventually you get it. And I, I've not heard of many people just not getting it at all. But I, I'm sure it does happen from time to time. What about you guys? Is you guys... You guys out there, I'm sure there's people who are watching who who have some experience with this, who have heard about people not getting a clearance because of this. I know that um, there's been people who are born in other countries who are naturalized citizens, and I think that when they're doing the background investigation, they're having to. It's taken longer to get information from their country. I, I've definitely heard about that. Um, I worked at a place where there was a lot of uh, Filipino. Um, there's a lot of Filipino and uh, Jamaican and um, and um, yeah, that was the main. Th and they had typically their 
when they were getting a clearance, unless they already had one, that because the the background investigation would have to go to a home country or whatever, and they were naturalized citizens, but they had to go back to their home country and ask neighbors or whatever, and it would just take a little, little bit longer to gather information. I imagine that's what was happening. But student loans, I have not heard anybody getting denied for it, to answer your question. I uh, heard you, Shaw Briggs says, I hear you about the name thing, but uh, with my real name, there is no hiding. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, for me personally, um, I've been on social media for a long time, and I just have a natural paranoia about it myself. Um, I, the government already knows everything about me, you know, like everything. I, I've I've had so many clearances and i worked with them so long so i'm not really worried about the u.s government having my information or, or what watching what i'm doing or whatever you know i don't care about that what i do care about is somebody getting my real name and real location and then coming to my house you know i just i'm worried about how they're going to treat my kids what their what their intentions are i just had a lot of and, and i'll just be frank with you like i have another channel that that got really popular and um we we make me and my wife make videos on there and we made a video that went viral and some people really hated it and they were threatening us they were like i'm gonna come to your house i'm gonna do x y and z i know where you live I, they this all lies they didn't know any of that because we don't put our real name out on the internet and I don't have my real. I've already learned that lesson. You know what I mean. So do your best <laughs> to find me. But um, and I'm sure, given certain level of resources, anyone can find out where I live. What's my real name? My my mom's maiden name. My father's real name. All that kind of stuff. You know, I'm sure that they could find all that stuff. But I'm just taking the extra step. I use an alias. You know, I use. Uh, I, I I don't say my actual the county and house that I live in and all that kind of stuff because it's gonna come up with everybody who I was I'm associated with my kids you can figure out what school they go to you know I just don't want that kind of, I don't know how celebrities do it to be honest with you um, I just I don't really know how they how they live under that constant microscope of people knowing where they are and all that kind of stuff I don't understand how they do it and i i personally know i couldn't do it so thank you guys for watching so much uh, appreciate all the questions and once again if you are interested in knowing a lot more about cybersecurity risk management framework check me out on convocourses.com and um, i've got a let me just go there convocourses.com and i've got a new addition to my documentation course is still just pretty cheap right now I'm gonna have some Black Friday sales on all this stuff soon and um, this one's gonna get added to and there's no additional cost when I add to it this is gonna go from has gone from three hours to five hours to eventually it's probably gonna be more like eight hours of content so I'm gonna have to raise the price on it so just to kind of recap on what I talked about before yeah hit that like button thanks Shaw appreciate you thank you so much to all people who have have uh, purchased a course it really helps me to 
continue to do this kind of content. It helps me to know, hey, people want this stuff. People are listening. People are watching. And I and just to kind of let you guys know what what I'm doing in the background here, I'm I'm trying to work with other trainers, other teachers, people who teach way better than me, people who have way more knowledge than me, reaching out to them to get more content out here to help more people to to live their best life, you know, essentially. And um, I'm getting some people who have responded. I'm working with them. And hopefully it turns out good and, and um, we give great content out there. I mean, I'm sure we will give great content and put it out there. So that's what I'm kind of working on in the background, hoping to get lots and lots of content, put it out there and just pump, flood this thing full of, of great content so that we can help as many people as possible. And we're going to have free stuff. We have paid stuff, maybe some live uh, webinars and all kinds of stuff is what I would like to do in the few going forward so thank you guys for everything thank you for helping thanks for your questions 